very windy and a very happy Monday here at the Kings of Anglia podcast. My back fence is in serious peril. And so, that's not a euphemism, by the way, to start to show. <laughs> also in peril is Plymouth spot in the top two, of course. Welcome, friends, also to the run-in. The game is very much afoot. Ten games left. Ipswich Town on a five-game winning run for the first time since October 2003. How exciting it is to be back to talk about that. I'm Mark Heath. I'm obviously financially ruined as a result. But who cares about that? Because I'm here with my friends, colleagues and cuddle buddies, the Dr. Stuart Watson and the prospect, which we're going to have to talk about in a minute, actually, Rossi, Ross Hall. Stewie, how are you? I assume you missed me terribly last week. It was good that you called me to speak to me, just to hear my voice. Thanks for that. That was nice. You've got yourself in a world of pain now, haven't you? Yeah. I, I fear that Andy's not here today because he's cooking up. He's getting getting some boys together to come round to your house and, and kidnap Dognap Benson. That's what, he's, he's, what he said he's going to do. He's off looking at private islands, I think, with that sixty-eight million in his in his back pocket. Um, the thing is, uh, let me introduce Rossi first, and we can talk about it. Rossi, how are you? How's things? I'm real, real well, thank you. Um, welcome back. Um, yeah, Buzzing thanks, thanks, Saturday. thanks, Ross. Thanks for welcoming me back. Yeah, <laughs> cheers, um, boys. Here's the thing, right? Obviously, this thing about me being financially ruined and destitute is good fun and that, but um, now I feel like. Is it a thing now? You know, like we had uh, Hutchie's kind of lucky shoes last season. Is this now a thing that I have to, we have to make a big song you, and dance about? You actually have to pay him yeah. 60-something <laughs> million. Yeah, but I mean, seriously, going forward, is it, we now have to, I and I have to like put increasing amounts of money on every week town town winning until they until they don't. Because it feels like it's, it's become, a, it's gathered momentum. It could not have been more perfect the way it came to fruition with with uh, Carl Edwards sticking it in the top corner in the 90th plus minute on Tuesday night. And then to go and win at Bolton, which is something that Ipswich Town don't do. They don't win games like that. Uh, it feels like it might have become a bit of a thing. I don't know. Maybe we, we can discuss that later on in the week. I think that's very much down to to Adolf Hutchley himself when we reconvene <laughs> late, later in the week. It's his it's his money. He yep. might decide he might decide to cash in his chips. <laughs> he might decide that thoughts become things and that he needs to keep keep making outlandish bets on Ipswich to do good things because it's worked so far. This is cool. We'll find out. And the other thing, Rossi, we've got to talk about, obviously, is um, I call you the prospect and have done for a long time. But while I was away, and while you were away, actually, at Burton, a young man called Regan Tuck stepped in for you on game day and smashed it out of the park. Um, and now I'm, I'm wondering about the uh, the kind of ranking because I think he <laughs> might be the prospect now. I don't know yeah. if you're. I don't know if that makes you. I don't know what that makes you. What's next after prospect? It, the finished article. But I'm, I'm not mm. sure you say you're the finished article yet. No. Um, how, how did you feel about Reagan? Because obviously he's, he's younger, he's taller. Um, I'm going to believe he did everything in one take. I mean, you feeling a bit threatened there, Rossi? Uh no, he hasn't got a beard, has he? I don't think he can grow it yet. So uh, can he drive? Yes. Is Regan driving? Now that's the fear I've got at the moment because he's now at an age where he can start to drive, and that is the running joke we've got at the moment. Is like, will Regan pass before I do? Which probably I'd say yes. Like, yeah, he's, he, yeah, yeah, he's probably more committed to it. To be fair, um, but yeah, he did a great job. So a um, big shout out to Regan if you're listening. Um, and yeah, it was great to see the the Kauai Army sort of help him with it as well. I was sort of worried at one stage no one would turn up and it would just be outside, just like oh. No one's here, but um, no, you did a great job. And yeah, first take. Yeah, I need to work on that. Regan is now. Officially... This is 
Sorry, he's feeling the heat. This is like yeah. in football terms. This is Ross has just had to do the interview where he says competition for places is always good. It's always yeah. healthy. <laughs> deep, deep down, he's feeling the pressure. He's feeling the heat on his neck. He suddenly dawned on him. He's not a young player anymore. All of a yeah. sudden, you've been called a young player, a prospect for all these years. Oh, I don't know if I can be categorised that anymore. There's, yeah. there's young blood coming through. Has Rossi become complacent? That's the thing. Is he the Hursty or Ladapo, Ross, surging through yeah. with, a, with a great well, debut? Well, what happened on Tuesday, my mic had a mare in the intro and team news. And I'm like, oh, God, this is not a good start. And then, you know, luckily, I think I, I think it was a good game down Saturday. So I sort of brought myself back to the sort of level I'm at. But yeah, I've got to improve. Got, you've got to step up, mate. You've got you've got someone <laughs> champing at the bit behind you now. Well done, Reagan. It was superb. And you're definitely Regan. 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 Sorry, Reagan. 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 You say tomato, I say tomato. Whatever. Yeah. You did a bloody good job, mate. You're now the prospect. Rossi is um T- TBD. We'll come up with a, with another yeah. term for him. One Friends. minute you're the prospect, the next minute you're turning 30 and getting written off by younger people like <laughs> yeah. you, Ross. So yeah. it's, it comes down the track quicker than you can imagine. Don't you worry. Yep. It comes to all of us. Right then, friends, Let's after that five minutes of excellent catch-up banter, should we talk about football? Because it's bloody exciting, isn't it, being an Ipswich Town fan and follower at the moment. Stuart Watson, Town have won five games in a bloody row. They've gone from four wins in 15 to five in a row. Six straight clean sheets, a club record. This is tremendous stuff. And taking aside those four wins, which obviously they, they should have won, they did win, they got those out of the way. Going to Bolton, aside very much in the in the mix for promotion, and winning is not something we're accustomed to Ipswich Town sides doing. Where does this rank, do you think, as a as way of kicking this off in terms of big wins this season and also under McKenna as a whole? Because it's got to be right up there, isn't it? Yes. Um Arguably the biggest, given the stage of the season, given the fact that it was away from home, given the stakes, I'd say it's the biggest yet, certainly for a long, long time. This season, yes, under McKenna probably, going even further back. Um, massive, yeah. To go to Bolton, this is a side that had were on a, a really good unbeaten run at home, going back to, I think, November time. They'd only conceded nine goals. Mm. at the Uni Bowl Stadium in the league this season. So for Ipswich to go there and, and win 2-0, and I thought were, were full value for victory as well, full value for, for a 2-0 win. Um, big, big win. Can't underestimate how big this was. And um, the fact that Plymouth dropped points as well just made it the uh, the perfect weekend. Norwich losing yesterday as well. Uh, mm. Yeah, if Carlsberg did weekends, that was a, that was a big one. And if Carlsberg do want to sponsor the show, obviously get in, get in touch. Rossi, what was it like for you? You were you were braving the frigid touchlines. I saw you you shared an image. I think it was on your Instagram story of the scene pitch side. It looked very very mm-hmm. cold. Um, but it, the the performance, the win, enough to warm anyone's heart. Uh, how was it for you? Yeah, massive massive win. Yeah, I'll put it up there as one of the you know the biggest win under McKenna and this this squads you know since they've been put together back last season and uh yeah it was a cold afternoon in Bolton although it is always cold I I hear in the north it's grim up north as they say no offense to any people who are northern John Watson and co they're from crew um but yeah massive win um and that's what this season needed um at this point of the season you know the run we're on the clean sheets yeah massive 
Right, and let's segue into the game then, Stewie, by way of um, the chat you and Hutchie had on, on Thursday's podcast. Around the team, you were saying pretty it was pretty much written itself. Um, but the one question was around uh, Hurst and Ladapo. And I think you said Hurst and uh, Hutchie said Ladapo. Ended up being Hurst. And he put in his best performance yet, didn't he? And what a goal, by the way. What a goal. Do you want to wax lyrical about that? Uh, yes. Yeah, let's start with the goal. Uh, it'd been a, a scrappy intense start to the game sort of uh, given the stakes uh, given the weather conditions as well both sides um, just a bit rushed really making a lot of unforced errors and then Ipswich grew and grew into it and they were looking like the team on top and then they go and get a goal right at the perfect time just on half time um, yeah first of all credit to Wes Burns who nicks the ball sort of in line with his own penalty box and and sort of eats up the space a good 60 yard dash up the field um composes himself picks out the cross but what a finish what a finish from George Hurst on the run sort of swept it in side-footed volley under pressure had Ricardo Santos close by I think he takes the goalkeeper unawares by taking the shot on he's probably expecting him to take a touch but just uh yeah, just guides it, caresses it into a, into the bottom corner on the run. Um, huge moment. Do you know what I like that, about that as well? Obviously, the finish was, was superb, cultured finish. Um, but the movement as well, as he kind of he kind of drifts, doesn't he? You see Santos tracking him, and he thinks he knows where he is, and then at the last minute he drifts across the back of him. Yeah, to, to meet the ball on the run, it's superb. superb Gets right finish. in his right in his blind spot, doesn't he? he sort exactly. Of, uh, yeah, that's that last little bit, last little movement, last little change of direction. You're right that I think uh, probably probably uh, makes that goal. Yeah, um, and Hurst, by all accounts, his best performance so far. Would you say, Stewie? Uh, yes. Yeah, I thought he was he was just a pest up front. Not everything he tried certainly in those opening twenty odd minutes, like like a lot of players came off. But my word, his work rate was outstanding. Bolton. Mm. Like Ipswich tried to play out from the back, they were every time James Trafford was taking goal kicks, they had two centre halves splitting to the edge of the six yard box, and Ipswich got you know right on top of that. And uh, Hurst was just charging down everything uh, up top, and that played a massive part in the home fans getting a bit edgy in this game because they weren't able to play and control the ball the way they normally do. Um, and Ipswich did the thing of going to, going away from home in a big game and quietening mm. and eventually turning the home crowd. And I think Hurst's front, you know, one man press up top, not one man press. He led, he triggered <clears> that press and, and <throat> everyone else was there with him, but he absolutely ran himself into the ground and he was up against one of, if not the best center halves in the division, Ricardo Santos, six foot five, um, and gave him a really torrid time. He, you know, he, he battled with him physically um, he made the ball stick, he linked the play, he's, he's quick, he ran in behind. So um, eventually came off with cramp in the second half to a standing ovation from from the travelling fans behind that goal. And then in terms of next big moment, so, so Town have got the opening goal, Rossi. It's a big thing, quieting the crowd at Bolton. What are we saying, by the way? Tough sheet, uni bowl, Reebok? A lot of people say Reebok just for the nostalgia. Um, uni bowl's got a nice little ring to it and then tough sheet... Yeah, I like that. Oh, that'll be next season, I think, for, for Bolton fans and, and opposition. But um, it's the Reebok. A lot of people know that. Speaking of tough sheets, by the way, Stewie, how's your egg consumption going? Are you egg-bound? <laughs> I've had three this morning, actually. Three what? Um, three eggs. Oh, OK. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> 
Okay, so you're not finding the binding the binding qualities um, famously make it. After we had that egg chat, I yeah. can't remember a week or so ago, however long it was. By accident that day, I ended up having four because I'd had <clears> two for my lunch. Yeah, and then uh, my wife called me down for dinner later that night. Dinner involved two eggs, so I was four up already, and we joked about me taking on. Um, what was I going to aim for? 30, 40. 40. 40. 40. Um, it faded away. I was I was, I was, was on pace for two or three days, but then the cupboard ran dry. So I'm afraid I couldn't I couldn't deliver for you. It's probably for uh, the best. But you've had three this morning. That's impressive. What, is that a three-egg omelette to start your day? Just a bit of scrambled egg, yeah. Nice. Excellent. Famously, of course, as, as I'm referencing here, you eat too many eggs. It will, it will make things bind, hence tough sheet. Uh, the stage anyway i'm digressing rossi it's good to have me back isn't it um mm. the next big moment in this game after town had taken the lead at the tough sheet was uh was the penalty save the penalty incident what do you make of this first of all penalty yes or no was wasn't it yeah from where i was i, I, I you know i couldn't really see because it, it was snowing and all that um and i watched back but yeah um but christian walton you know, we've had this, you know, this moment before, you know, at Cambridge, we we're 1-0 down at that point and then made a um, crucial save and we got the equaliser. This time around, 1-0 up and what a pivotal point this was in this game. And of course, we go on to score a second and yeah. And <laughs> there was a lot of scramble though, you know, we had to still work to get the ball out at one stage. I was like, come on, stop, get it, get it, get it out. But like, the, the boys did and um, the players were able to celebrate with Walton. But uh, Christian Walton is proven why he is one of the best goalkeepers in the division. Yeah, do you remember not too long ago we were talking about whether or not Fadke deserves a, deserves a run? I think Walton's made his point. The other thing I liked about this, we talk about the penalty save in a minute, Stewie, is this, and I know it doesn't count because the penalty, the whistle's already gone and someone's already been felled, the penalty's been given, but he makes an unbelievable save shortly yeah. after the after Burgess has felled the man, doesn't he, to, to keep the ball out? He does, yeah, and maybe you say it doesn't count, but maybe if that ball had gone in, I don't know yeah. if the whistle had actually gone by that point, but maybe the, you know, the goal would have stood instead of the penalty. So, yeah, an unbelievable save with his with his legs from Shaw Tyre. Uh, I think it was a penalty. Ipswich has got themselves in a bit of a muddle, really. McKenna pointed it out after the game that there was a phase of play, one or two phases before, where Burns, Ipswich were uh, screaming for a foul on Wes Burns, which wasn't given. Mm. And I think they just lost their heads. They, in general, mentality-wise, they were they were very calm-headed in this game and they approached it with a, with a big game mentality. But that five minutes, Bolton had started the second half, obviously, on top, came back at Ipswich and they just lost their heads for a little bit, wanting that, that free kick and uh, switched off. Bolton had a corner, pressure stayed on, worked the ball into the box. And, um, yeah, I, th- I think it was, uh, you know, Burgess couldn't do much he was just on the scene but um mm. you know a combination of sort of davis halting bradley and he jumps up and goes goes over burgess's leg and it's it's a penalty but um yeah uh, christian walton to the rescue again that was a good good save i wouldn't say it was a, a bad penalty i've seen better penalties but mm. you know he certainly didn't fluff it did he it was a, it was he had as a decent save to be made and, and walton made it it was a brilliant slow motion um clip that the club shared on on social media yesterday of uh, of Charles running up and just at the last minute as Charles is either beginning his run up or kind of midway through it Walton jumps up and touches the crossbar and in slow motion you can see what an impact that has because it makes the whole frame shake 
which yeah. for a penalty taker, that's got to be quite off-putting. And not to mention the fact you've got a six foot five string bean of a goalkeeper in front of you as well, who is is, is something of a penalty saver. Um, so yeah, in slow motion, it looked it looked so sexy, Stu. It was it was a uh, one of those things I love watching. Also seeing the fans behind the goal as well, watch picking a fan and watching them. <laughs> I love the psychology of penalties. I think Walton yeah. got booked for coming out and kind of scuffing the the spot and trying to delay things. Then Connor Chaplin was in the refs here, um, trying to tell him the ball wasn't properly on the spot. Um, yeah, the psychology of the goalkeeper trying to make the goal look as small as possible, spreading their arms, hitting the crossbar. Uh, so much goes into that little 12-yard duel, doesn't it? Um, yeah. It's the timing and, uh, of it, though, that when he decides to to actually make the bar shake, I'm sure it's either just as, as Charles starts his run-up or as he's looking up on the run-up. So it's like a visual thing for him. You've got, obviously got loads of things going through your head as, as, the, as the kick taker, but then to see the goal shape like that, and it really does um, come out in slow motion. Yeah, I don't think it helped that they had a bit of an argument over who was going to take it as well. Mm. You you always feel a bit more confident when there's two players kind of arguing ho- over who's going to take it. Adebayo had the ball in his hands and looked looked um, not too happy at all when Dion Charles kind of took it off of him. Um, so, yeah, I think that, that played into Ipswich's hands as well. Rossi, you've unmuted yourself. Does that mean you want to say something? Yeah, as you know, I'm a polite young man, so I didn't want to come in. But um, of course, Bolton scored against us um, at Porton Road, you know, via penalty. So mm. maybe the Morley should have took it because he scored the one at Porton Road. But uh, yeah, two games against Bolton, two penalties against him. I think Leif Davis was part of that week, and he was the one who failed the player at home. But um, yeah, crucial moment. Mm. Everett, after the game, he wasn't very complimentary about his side. He says we weren't very good, essentially. But he said that that was a very draining moment for them as clearly it would be and and also he refers we, we should go back talking about Christian Walton made a really good save early in the game didn't he Stewie from uh was it Connor Bradley um yeah. bursting through down the right so, yeah during that that sort of scrappy early exchanges that was the one moment where someone sort of burst burst through Connor Bradley uh Davis just sort of gave the ball away high up the field and and um Bradley got in down that right hand side knocked it one side of Burgess ran the other and and Walton had to make a a smart stop at his near post to keep the ball out. So, yeah, it feels a long time ago that we were talking about, you know, potential changes in, in goal. And um, it feels a long time ago that we were kind of picking the bones out of it, which is run of, uh, you know, after Valentine's Day, nil-nil at Bristol Rovers. Why aren't yeah. they winning games anymore? Stuck in mid-table form. Might even drop out the playoffs at this rate. And um, and here we are five games later. Um, yeah, things can change very quickly in football. That's the beauty of the game, though, isn't it? Football, bloody hell. Um, and then Cameron Burgess makes up for giving away the penalty. Not that it actually, it actually counts in the end. With, as Ross, if you're not watching, is just uh, illustrated. A thumping missile of a header, which had the beautiful diagonal trajectory, which I enjoy in a header. Um, Rossi, what a header. Oh, I know Stu loves it, but I love those sort of goals as well. Bullet header, bully header, whatever you want to call it. And... Sometimes that is what football is. Just simple. Just get the ball in the box. Get a big man header. Bolton, they defended poorly on that one. They, they should have done better. But um, yeah, Cameron Burgess, great header. Great celebrations. Sadly, the town fans were right up in the top tier. So, of course, they were trying to celebrate. But they were like, yeah. But yeah, great, great goal. And set pieces, man, this season. Oh, town. They've improved and improved. Leif Davis and co. Love it. Do you remember, Ross, at the start of the season, we went in to speak to, uh, I think it was after the first game, we went in to speak to uh, uh, Scott 
what's his name scott paul was it something to do yeah. with about the big screen and, and the issues they had with that and we sat in mckenna's office and on mckenna's desk there was a, a folder which said set plays which is obviously they're taking it very seriously i would have loved to open that and, and see what they've got in there clearly we couldn't at the time but it, to have that kind of insight that clearly these are things they're working on they're drawing up that you know got all these plays in in, in the books as it were um because stewing your stew says that the set play the pro- approaching prolific levels what was the stat was it 21 percent of their goals this season have come from no it's more it's 21 of their goals ah, have been go. from set pieces yeah, but yeah. That, that accounts for 30 percent. so nearly a third of their goals have come from set pieces mm. so um Kieran McKenna talked about this game being a real development marker for how far his side have come. Ipswich went to Bolton in the early stages of McKenna's management and and lost 2-0 quite comfortably. Um, and it was around that time, I think, that, that McKenna did his first fans forum and he was asked mm. about the set-piece record being so poor. Ipswich had gone, I don't remember the stat, 20, 30-plus games without a goal from set-pieces and we were at the stage where fans were chanting sarcastically about we're going to score from a corner whenever they got one because they just never looked like scoring from them. And McKenna answered the fan that night and said, you're you're 100% right to bring that up. And he knew the stats off the top of his head that X percent of goals come from set pieces in the game. And particularly in League One, it's even higher. And to get out of this league, it's borderline impossible to do that with our record and set pieces. Mm. Fast forward and Ipswich are, are the division's best side from set pieces. And um as Ross says, sometimes the simple goals are the best ones, just a corner and a bullet header. I note that Ross's picture, your picture of the goal, which you had sort of the behind-the-goal angle, which shows how bad the Bolton marking was. Those Bolton players kind of marking each other and no one's near Burgess um, has been kind of seized upon by Bolton fans who are, who are not too happy about how their side defended it. But from an Ipswich point of view, lovely stuff. And Stu, as, as a, as a card-carrying member of the centre-back uh, club, you must have absolutely loved that. Were you up shirt over your head? Yes, come on. Yeah, I think a bullet header from a centre half adds yeah. a little bit of extra to it as well. I want it to come from a big, big centre half. Um, yeah, and and everything about the sort of Ross says the scenes afterwards, the fact that the Ipswich fans were up high in that stand, which let's be honest, when any when any club does that, that's proper shithousery, isn't it? When you put away fans right up in the top tier, when you've got mm. a completely empty bottom tier below, that's just, that winds me up a little bit, that kind of, I know I know they're trying to do it to get a bit of marginal gains and um, help their own team out, fair enough, I suppose, but it always feels a bit mean and it feels like it takes away a little bit from the atmosphere, but what it meant was when that goal went in, you had this kind of all the players kind of gazing up to the heavens, which kind of added to the sort of the imagery of it, yeah. you know, it made it, uh, you know, almost religious connotations of them sort of gazing up, gazing up high sort of thing. Um, if you watch it back, Luke Wolfenden absolutely boots the post in in sort of uh, celebration. We talked about him shaking the post to death a few weeks ago when he had that goal line clearance at Bristol Rovers. This time he just gives it a, gives it a good welly on the way past. Um yeah, players, you know, jumping on top of each other. It was just one of those moments that's going to live live long in the memory, that. Mm. Uh, and then Rossi, two goals up, and it could have been more, couldn't it? They could have, they could have maybe had a, a third or a fourth. Yeah, a couple of chances, you know. It was our, our team performance, but, you know, players that came off the, you know, came on. Marcus Arnes mm. had a very good chance. 
probably should have scored it. But um, yeah, you know, they saw it out. But as you said, could have made it 3 4 nil. Um, and that is just what I wanted to see. I didn't want us to go 2 up and then out of nowhere, Bolton gets the, a goal back. And you think, oh, here we go, squeaky bum time. And they go and score an equaliser late on, which sadly we've seen this season. Sheffield Wednesday is the big one. 2 mm. nil up against them. And then we, you know, 2-2 two, two and all that jazz. Offsides. Um, but but they did it. They did it. They got the win. Um, and that's another clean sheet. Club record. Yeah. That's, it just shows this team can do it against because we mm. haven't you know we haven't been able to beat a top six side since the derby game um so yeah massive win this is a totally different vibe to the derby game though isn't it derby's at home mm. um and derby weren't dar- what you know the derby team they are now back then whereas this was this was going away to bolton as Stu said earlier a side that don't concede goals at home a side that until not too long ago were an absolute unstoppable force a runaway train this is this is absolutely massive. Stu, is there anything else you want to wax lyrical about around the game? Any players to pick out? Anything like that? Um, I thought both Morsi and Luongo played with incredible discipline in this game. Mm. Luongo got booked just before half time, where he had to kind of take someone out as they tried to sort of reply to the goal quite quickly. And then you had both your central midfielders walking a disciplinary tightrope. Morsi obviously on has been on the nine booking situation for a while. Luongo on one. Thought those two managed things really well. That was a proper captain's display from Morsi in terms of you if you watch him in the moments where the ball's dead, he's constantly cajoling and organizing and and to sort of keeping on top of his teammates. But you know, to a man they just work worked really hard. You don't go away to Bolton and win two nil without everybody playing playing mm. their part, including the subs as well. As Ross says, sort of Harness came on and uh, Ladapo as, as well. Danassian was involved in, in the build-up to the corner that led to the goal, Harness as well. So, yeah, everyone sort of played their part in this game. Um, so, yeah, from 10 points back to, to two, it feels like game on with 10 to go. It does. And we'll talk about the bigger picture shortly. How Just on that note, though, Stewie, Massimo Luongo, how important has he been? since he's come in because he was kind of the overlooked man when they, they signed him in January. He's like, oh, you know, the guy who's a free agent essentially and he's injured and they kind of overlooked almost a pedigree because he wasn't a big, flashy, money, sexy signer. He was just someone who came in. Oh, yeah, he's available. We'll just sign him. He can come train with us. We'll sign him up, give us a bit of depth. But now you look at it, how important is it? has he been so far and how important could he be going forward? Because it seems like he might be the perfect foil for Morsi. Yeah, he was he was the forgotten man when we were reeling off the the four players that mm. they'd signed. It was million and a half spent on Nathan Broadhead and Hurst is a striker that scored goals at this level and Harry Clark again big price tag, Ipswich boy. Oh yeah, and we've signed Luongo as well on a free transfer because free transfers are never never as sexy. Mm. You know he's been let go by Middlesbrough and he's not played in the first half of the season. He's got an injury thing and. Mm. Even in his interview, he said, if I play one minute, I play one minute. That's kind of, he came to the club with that sort of mentality. Um, but that is going to look like a massive signing. Now, if they hadn't have done that, Ipswich would have been in trouble with the Lee Evans injury. Mm. And he, we keep saying it, Cameron Humphreys has done remarkable for, for a young man this season. But to have asked him to play week in, week out in this scenario would, would have been a huge ask. And um Given the situation that Sam Morsi is in, Luongo, I think, has really helped sort of uh, take some of the heat off him from a sort of a physical and tenacious mm. point of view in the team. And during that first 
sort of 20, 30 minutes of this game, he was the one that was kind of getting stuck in and making tackles and, and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, he's been, he's been a huge addition. And of course, there's another, another bit of backup now with Dominic Ball, who was, yeah. uh, who was back on the bench, which was a, a major surprise that came completely out of the blue. When I spoke to McKenna last week, um, he was asked about sort of Dominic Ball, you know, might might he get some minutes for the 21s, which had been due to play Birmingham at Playford Road on Friday. That that got called off because of the weather in the end. But um, McKenna said, well, maybe, but we might end up taking him to, we might end up taking him to Bolton, yeah? And and they did, and he was on the bench. So, um, yeah, don't don't underestimate his return as well um, from, you know, just, just being around the squad as, as much as getting some minutes. Mm. The, to the extent that um, when I was looking through the pictures yesterday, Ross, you, I think it was your set of pictures. Uh, you had pictures of Dominic Ball warming up, running, mm-hmm. and I had no idea. I was like, "Who is that?" And then I completely forgot he existed because out of my head, I was like, "He's out for the season." Obviously, I wasn't in touch with what was going on last week, so I was on holiday. Um, but yeah, great to have Dominic Ball back. Um, and Ross, I just want to finish this particular part of the show by talking about game day. Because uh, obviously it's great to speak to the fans and uh, and and particularly after a win. But I also want to compliment you and the Sweet Welsh Prince actually for handling of what could have been a difficult situation with uh, with Bolton fans interjecting um, yeah. at the start and the end. Um, I wasn't sure what way it was going to go at the start because um, I was <laughs> I wasn't quite sure how aggressive the Bolton fan was going to be. But um, you, you took it in stride, and then the Sweet Welsh Prince proclaimed him off camera while you carried on interviewing. Liam, and then I thought the, the 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 one at the end was the perfect way to end game day mm-hmm. because it was a Bolton fan saying, "You are the best team that has come here this season. I really hope you go up." Um, and it was just as you and the the King of the North had strolled off towards the top two. Um, <laughs> so well played, sir. How was that for you? Yeah, the the, the beginning one weren't too bad because it was early. You know, it was before you know mm. it was four. Tino's just dropped, so everything was sort of calm and fine. Um, but yeah, some some Bolton fans, just general fans, they sort of watch, and you always wonder, like, are they going to come in? Are they going to come and say an f bomb or something? Yeah, um, as you do. Um, but thankfully, he was just sort of like he was interested, and he sort of said, "Oh, can I come and say something?" And I went, "Yeah, come on, mate, come and have a chat." And then the one afterwards, he I don't think he he didn't like what John said about the fans leaving, and I thought, "Oh God, he's going to come in." Yeah, but he didn't at the stage. He disappeared, and he then randomly came back when we did the little skit of us leaving, and. Because he had like a hood up, didn't he? A very, very flashy jacket he had. Um, and he was actually, yeah, as you said, he was actually very polite and, you know, said how good we were. And I said, enjoy Wembley and all that. Um, but you do fear that after a defeat, you know, they may attack you or whatever. But no, he was a very nice man. And afterwards, we had a little chinwag as well. So, uh, so yeah, live, live stuff. Anything I know, happened. but you, you cope with it well, as did Harvey, as I say, because um, having asked if he could get involved, he then did not want to stop being involved, did he? Yeah. Um, and you were trying to move back to Liam, and, and I think Harvey's <laughs> then taken him off to the side yeah. and carried on the conversation with him. You can hear it kind of in the background. Anyway, good work, boys, good work. Uh, and that's, I enjoyed that's a, that. Yeah, I enjoyed that. It was very wholesome. That you know, Football fans can get a bad rep sometimes, but you do often see that on after games. You know, I, lo- I like it when sort of rival fans wish each other well and you're a good you're the you're a good team you know yeah. i hope you do well and stuff like that that was um that was nice that moment go and watch it if you haven't 
it was a perfect punctuation to a perfect away day performance, wasn't it? Um, and now we can come on, of course, to the bigger picture, Stu. You said not too long ago, we we're talking about 10 points being the gap. We're saying it's gone, it's gone. Top two's over. Get used to it. Four wins in 15. We were kind of analysing all sorts of things and even whether a town might make the, or miss out on the playoffs. Um, and now, very much is game on, Stu. With 10 games left, you said it. Town are on the march. Five games on the bounce, one. And you look at Plymouth. They got tonked at the weekend at Barnsley. The pressure is 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 kind of all on them, isn't it? I know they've got on paper a much easier run in than Town, um, but they're going to be the ones looking over their shoulders now. And I'm not sure which position I'd rather be in. Well, if you remember, Paul Lambert told us that it's better to be the hun- hunter than the hunted. So I, for one, believe him. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I mean, he's played some big clubs as well, so he knows what he's talking about. To be fair, he has. He has. <laughs> Uh, never mentioned it. Um, yeah. Yeah, I guess you'd want to be the team that's in second um, as much as you kind of want to play the psychology to it. But there's no doubt that everyone around the division is is going to be looking at Ipswich's which is form now. Mm. Five straight wins, the last of which is a victory at Bolton. That's got people sitting up and, and taking notice. Um, on the flip side of that, you could go a few weeks ago, we were saying, Bolton are never going to lose again. Bolton yep. are on a ridiculous run. They've just put five goals. They've just won five nil in back-to-back games, and and here they are now hitting a bit of a sticky patch, and and they're wobbling and wondering if they might even mess up the playoffs. So it can turn. It does turn, and I'm sure there'll be plenty more twists and turns to come. But I honestly did feel that Ipswich need to stand a chance of the top two. They needed they needed to eat into that margin at the weekend, given the the, the, the or last week, given the mm. two games that Plymouth had. Um, and, yeah, it didn't happen on the Tuesday night, but thankfully it did over the weekend. And I think two points, you know, that's a one-game swing and uh, potentially a one-game swing. So Ipswich are, are well in the mix, and I'm sure there's going to be a lot more drama to come. Two points is eminently chaseable, though, isn't it? It's that kind of it being just one win. that, As you say, that one-match swing, it's... It's exciting. Now, I know Plymouth have got Forest Green at home this weekend, so you wouldn't expect them to to mess up there, or would you? Mm. Rossi, uh, how, obviously you're the man with the fans. How do, how do you feel? <laughs> no, no, they're going to win that game on this year, as you say. Um, <clears throat> Rossi, how, how, how do you reckon the fans are feeling about the, uh, the chase for the top two? Because we've said it, I mean, I think we said it on here, but I certainly have, I've seen in game day fans saying, that's it, top two's gone, not too long ago. But now it's right there. Yeah, I'm sure there's some fans who've probably got maybe some egg on their face. Um, I'm just quoting a fan on game day. Um, I'm sure there's some town fans who are still believing. Yeah, top two, you know, you know, football is football. Um, there's a few who probably go, yeah, it's too much, too much going. And it's just two points now. Mm. Um, I think they're believing. I think they're, they've looked at this squad and gone, okay, yeah, we've been able to beat the, the teams below, but this team can actually beat a, a top six side, a very good top six side in Bolton, who are, you know, in unbelievable form. Um, so, yeah, I think there's some believing, some who probably go, oh, they've still got the old wounds from the previous years. But I think they're just enjoying a season where we're actually up there. Because in mm. the last couple of seasons, or ever since we've been in League One, it's just been this time of the year. We're like, OK, let's get ready for trips to Accrington again and, you know, going to places we've never been before. But um, they're just probably just excited going into these 10 games, knowing playoffs are there. And then top two. Yeah, bring it on. It's so perfectly poised, isn't it, Stewie? So perfectly poised. 
These seasons don't come along very often. No. We know that more yeah. than most as Ipswich Town <laughs> fans. So you you do have to try and enjoy them. I know it's not easy because there's so much emotions and nerves and anxiety and the old wounds and scars that we keep talking about. But you have got to try and enjoy the ride and enjoy this for what it is because you wait a long time for these seasons to come along. Um, so, yeah, I think from a psychological point of view, both for fans and players collectively, winning at Bolton was massive because it now gives them the knowledge that they can go and do that because mm. they went to Sheffield Wednesday, led 2-0, let it slip. Yes, we can go. Bless you, Ross. Yes, you can say the, the equaliser was possibly offside there. And they went to Plymouth and played really well, deserved more. Walton's header hits the bar at the end, but ultimately didn't didn't get anything from that one. And it becomes that sort of shoulda, woulda, coulda, ifs, buts, maybes narrative mm. starts to build uh, after a little while. And you can keep sort of telling yourself, well, the underlying stats are good and Ipswich lead the way with so many good underlying stats in terms of lack of chances against an amount of chances scored, possession, etc., etc., etc. But you do need to have these big moments that you can call upon in your mind next time. Now, when Ipswich go to Barnsley, when they go to Derby, they'll mm. go there knowing in their minds we can do this because we have. So mm. I think it was more than just the three points at the weekend. It was the statement that not only they made to others, but a statement that they've kind of made to themselves, I think, as well. Yeah, absolutely. Anything else to mention before we move on from the kind of weekend stuff? Um, so you mentioned there the Morsey yellow card thing. Where are we with that? Has he, has he, has he trod the tightrope and has he made it to the end of that? When does that, I can't remember that runs out. I think he's got to get through Saturday as well. Saturday. I think he's One got to get game. through the Shrewsbury game. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. All right then, um, Rossi, should we move on to something completely different, which is the women yesterday? Because we talk about town having a, a great win at Bolton. The women also had a good win yesterday, and now they're top of the table, Rossi. Yeah, that that is what it looks like at the moment, top of the table. But Oxford, who are actually third, but they've got two games in hand. But if they win their games in hand, and they've got a game on Tuesday, so they can go top if they win. But once again, they had a sort of bad start to the season. They lost their opening two games, but since then they've gone on to bounce back from that. And yeah, five wins, five clean sheets in a row, scoring goals for fun. Um, so yeah, very good. Playing some good football on some tough conditions. Very tough conditions against the very London Bees. They won three 0 on Sunday, mm. um, and London Bees were a very physical side. Um, but Town got the goals. Fred Godfrey two goals for her and Sarah Brazera Carella the third um and yeah that. good win yeah excellent and how's how's blue doing because she i note um when i was away she returned to action which i find particularly inspirational given as i'm about to undergo the same surgery um yes. so yeah how, how's she doing is she, was she playing yesterday sadly not um she had like a i think more or smaller like precaution i think yeah. she had a bit of a niggle and the other knee so not a recovering knee on her other knee so i think it's just more like let's just sort of settle her down a little bit, you know, after the last week, the the emotions of making a return after 18 months um, and definitely with the pitch being what it is and London mm. Bees have been a physical side. But of course she was there. Big shout out to Blue. We'll mention this on Track the Girls Talk later on, but um, she bought me some sweets at halftime. So um, some fried eggs and um, some little pencils, fizzy pencils. So um, that got me through fizzy, the second half. Fizzy pencil? I'm not familiar yeah. with that. That's, that's a new no, addition no, to I'm, the fizzy... <clears throat> well, they're like this. Like basically, they're red, <clears throat> and it's got like a 
white things in the middle. You probably know. <laughs> Actually, no, they're not pencil cables. They're called cables. Ah, okay. All right. I thought it was a new addition to the, the fizzy sweet empire there. Um, uh, and what's the promotion situation with the women then? Is it only the top, the winners of the league go up? How's it work? Well, yeah, this is this is a conversation for, oh, no. for everyone to talk about. Yeah, um, so yeah, whoever go, wins the league, they go and play basically the northern winners um, of the oh, okay. Premier. At the moment, that's not in Forest. So yeah, that that'll be a playoff, which is a one-off playoff. Which have all that, you know, that'd be great. You know, the women's team win the league, have that celebrations. Oh yeah, we have still got to play a playoff to actually win promotion. Um, hmm. Of course, Southampton did that last year, and they're in the championship now. Of course, our rivals from last year. So um, it's a situation that isn't great, but it's just what it is. So only one team goes it. up. Only one team goes up. Yeah, only one team. But then, yeah, you in our division, we could win the league, as I said, but then you and play the team up. in the Northern and could not go up, even if you've won the league title, which is just crazy. But oh, um, yeah. They talk about League One being hard to get out of. That's, that's <laughs> even harder by the sound of it. Um, so look out for that. The report's about to go online and, and you've got Tractor Girls Talk coming to you later this week. Yeah. Uh, the other thing we should mention in terms of news roundups, Stuart, or an Ipswich Town podcast, is um, Liam Manning, formerly of this parish, formerly of MK Dons, uh, and Chris Hogg, again, formerly of this parish and formerly of MK Dons. They've got a new job uh, between them at a struggling League One side, a side that had made the playoffs quite recently, two seasons in a row. Uh, Oxford United, what, what do you make of that? Because we talked before about Manning and, and having to carefully select his next job. What do you make of that when you saw it? Yeah, I guess that makes sense. You don't, no manager wants to be out of it for too long. They mm. all want to go away and have a little rest to start with and recuperate. But as you've seen with like Chris Wilder taking the Watford job, most people mm. go, "What? You're mad? Anyone's mad taking that?" But I just think managers don't want to be. You can become forgotten about quite quickly. You're suddenly not a name that people talk about. So he'll have been mindful of that, getting getting back in. Um, and I think sort of taking over from Carl Robinson, that probably stylistically trying to sort of set similar principles is, is probably quite good. Hopefully is a job that he can get his feet under the table at and, and build something over over a period of time. It's not going to have the same pressures as, um, I don't know, if you'd go to a Portsmouth or, or something mm. like that. So, um, yeah, wish, wish him well, Liam. He's one of the good guys from my limited uh, experiences with him and what, what people what people say about him. It's pitched straight into a bit of a relegation fight to begin with, though. Oxford, they've lost nine of their last 10 games. Um, mm. So he's, he's got to keep them in division first and then see what he can do next season, perhaps. Anything else to, to talk about, boys? Have you watched um, Have you watched anything good on TV? Have you watched the Luther film? Have you watched? You have? I haven't watched it, but um, I'm going to. I'm, I'm actually re-watching the series. Um, my missus, she hasn't watched it yet, like Lou, for the series. So I'm happy to watch it back with her because it's a great series. So, um, yeah, looking forward to the film. But I've got to go through five series of Luther. But there's you don't you don't need to watch the series. To, I mean, the film is a complete okay. standalone film. Okay. All you need to know uh, is who who John Luther is, and that's it basically. Yeah, he's, he's a he's a hard as nails copper. Oh, he is. Oh. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's been I would say pretty much universally panned. I think by critics, the film. That's it. Um, yeah, but and it is. I would say watching it, it, just go into it accepting that it's nonsense. It's complete nonsense, absolute ridiculous nonsense. But it's bloody good fun. It is essentially like a Bond film with, with with Luther being Bond, a man cast against insurmountable odds. And, and there's there's one scene where, for example, he beats up an entire prison of people, um, which is clearly ludicrous, but good fun because it's Luther. 
Is this Idris just making a, a strong play for Bond? Could is be. That, yeah, I won't. Yeah. I won't tell you the way it ends, but the, it, the way it ends is almost like the start of a Bond movie. What <laughs> you think? Oh. Okay. Um, uh, all the way through, just protected by his coat and his tie, essentially. Uh, Andy Serkis is the is a kind of murderous villain who who's very good, quite unsettling. Although the most unsettling thing about him is his haircut. Um, you, you'll see what I mean when you get to that. Uh, but it's definitely worth a watch. And something else worth a watch as well, which we watched over the weekend, is Four, which is on Netflix. Uh, it's about two girls who climb a 2,000-foot tower and then get stuck at the top. Uh, I struggle with vertigo. I, I hate heights. Um, so, yeah, if, if, if you're like me, you don't like heights, it's a tough watch. Makes you feel a bit sick at times. Very good CGI. Uh, but, again, it's a complete bit of nonsense. Chewing gum for the eyes. Turn off the brain and enjoy it. I'd watch that. And also, friends, Outlast as well. Tell I've had some holiday, can't you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> on Netflix, Outlast, which is like um, a survival game. Teams of people in the wild in Alaska, uh, and the last team standing wins. And it, it very quickly dissolves into basically Lord of the Flies. It's incredible what greed does to people, and some people especially. And, and the things that they're willing to do to other people to sabotage their game is quite scary. So there we go. There's there's your TV recommendations of the week from from Mr. Heath. What else is going on in your lives, boys? Do you how things with you? Uh, things with me are good. Um, on the TV front, I feel like I've got fatigue with p- police dramas now. Yeah, there's been lots of good ones, but I just I feel like once you they're all starting to blend into one a little bit. Like I loved Luther. I love. Yeah. I like the strike. I liked um, Line of the Duty. Strike strike line yeah. of duty yeah uh happy valley all of that but just i'm craving something a little bit different i feel like a, i feel like we all need to take a bit of a break from that genre for, for a bit now um on the netflix vibe you'll like this i don't know if i'm breaking any kind of secrecy act here oh. but a member of my family works in the um extras line of work right and they've been currently testing out uh, the format for a new Netflix show, which is basically going to be, um, what's it called? The Korean um, Squid Game. Killing... Squid Game. Yeah, they're yeah. going to make a real life version of Squid Games, and they're going to they, they're replicating the sets with the big robot, the girl that turns around and making the biscuits and doing all of that. Obviously, they're not going to kill the contestants, <laughs> um, but they'll kind of die in a fake way. But yeah, that sounds quite exciting. That does sound good. To that. that sounds that sounds very good indeed. Uh, you say you're looking for something to watch, Stewie. Have you watched US Traitors yet? Because that that's tremendous TV. Couldn't get past the first one or two. Oh, um, I know. I know. You said stick with it; it gets better. But is it just because it's American? It's just, it's just yeah. it's American, isn't it, Stu? Yeah, it, yeah. And it was all reality TV stars and stuff. And it's so good. Stick with I it. I will mate. return to it. Okay. It's so good. So good. Almost. Well, I'd say I'm on a par with the English version in a different kind of more camp American style way. Uh, Rossi, what have you been watching? What's going on in your life? Um, I. After your recommendation, I did watch Happy Valley. I didn't think the ending weren't that bad because I've never actually watched the whole series. I had to watch back from mm. series one and uh, I didn't think the ending was too bad. Um, it's all right. It was a good series. It was all right. Um, but yeah, just bits and bobs, really. I haven't really got anything to put out there, really, to recommend. I just, yeah, just put things on and hope for the best. I uh, hope it's good. If it's not, turn over. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I'm looking forward to, um, I've watched Creed 3, which is good. And yeah. Action film. Does he almost lose and then end up winning? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> Who yeah. could have possibly seen that coming? 
Yeah. Although I heard it's it's got a bit of beef with Sylvester Stallone. Apparently he's not involved in this one. So, yeah. Dear, oh dear. Well, there we go. Um, what, what was the line, Ross? I like that. Put something on and hope for the best. That's yeah, all, that's what that's I do all sometimes. That's all I yeah. ever do, really, isn't it? In life, generally. Put yeah. something on and hope for the best. Uh, friends, that brings us to the end of the podcast with our, 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 our little roundup of TV stuff to watch. Let us know what you're watching. Let us know what you think. Um, all that left for me then to say, and I'll try and remember this because I've been away for a week, is leave us a five star review on iTunes because it helps us greatly in our visibility on the charts. We've had three recently. Um, one particularly mentioning Edam Ross. Uh, when you when you broke the internet by revealing there's a cheese called Edam, um, I enjoyed that. That made yeah. me chuckle when I was listening. Yeah, so uh, someone someone's very turned on by the the fact you you revealing Edam to them as a cheese. Um, so if if like you you enjoyed what we do, leave us a five star review because it helps people find us uh, in the in the charts. Also, support our sponsors. Use the code Kawaii at manscaped.com for twenty percent off and free delivery. And also, obviously, support Tony Southgate and the boys at Ginger Pickle if you need your Google Ads, your SEO, your digital marketing taking a step up. That's what they'll help you with. Um, and that, I think, brings us to the end of the show then, boys. Anything else to mention? Uh, this is We're agreed that this is officially the run-in. This is officially yeah. the business end of the season. Yeah, I think happy with that 10 to I go? Think, I think Hutchie said, didn't he, that 10 games to go is, is when the run-in starts. Has anyone used the phrase, we've got 10 cup finals left yet? They yes. Has. Yes, they have. they have. If you, in your absence, Andy yeah. Warren took on the League One preview, preview. Yeah. And I believe it was it was someone at Plymouth. I think it might have been the manager. It might have been Stephen Schumacher. But I do need do need to check on that. But if it was indeed him, he talked about twelve cup finals to oh. go. One of which is an actual, <laughs> actual cup, cup final. final yeah. um, <laughs> so yes, that that particular starter gun has been fired. The cup finals to go. That's one of the best moments of the season when the cup final klaxon goes. Um, so it, we've got eleven cup finals left plus an actual cup final. Is, is is what you should have said. Um, friends, hopefully you'll agree that every show here at the Kings of Anglia is a cup final because we bring our all to it. Um, the start of the week has started. This particular show is in the books. Town are on an absolute march. They're on a tear. There's 10 games to go. It's all to play for. The game is afoot. Have a great start to the week. And we'll be back later on this week to talk to you again. <laughs>